Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Good morning. Well, that was pretty weak. Good morning. That's better. Good morning. For the few of us that are here, that sounded like a whole bunch. So praise God. Well, good morning again. I'm so glad to be back teaching again. Been a while. It's good to be able to help. I know that uh, Pastor Glenn and Tracy have been back and forth to the front range with their family, and it's good to give them a rest, right? So um, we want to welcome you all this morning. Those that will be joining us online, we want to uh, thank you for, how do you say it? clicking in with your mouse. So let's open with a word of prayer. Father, I bless you and I thank you this morning. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, it does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth the bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall your word that goes forth from your mouth, it shall not return to you void, but it shall accomplish what you please. And it shall prosper in the things of which you send it. And so, Father, this morning as your word goes forth, I just pray that the power and presence of the Holy Spirit fall in this place this morning on each and every person that is here. So Holy Spirit, just come. Allow my words to be your words, God. And allow those words that may be empty fall to the earth and not prosper. And so Father, I bless you this morning. I thank you this morning, and I give you the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. That was a weak amen. This morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about rest. And I'm going to kind of go a different direction to get to where God wants us to be in the rest that he has for us. So I ask that you please bear with me. Genesis 2, 2 and 3, in the New King James. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it he rested from all the work which he had created and made. So we see in this scripture that God rested. Let me ask you all a question. Do you think God was tired from all the creation? No. He did this for us. He set this day aside and he said, I am pleased with what I have created. He created man. 
He created all that we enjoy on this earth. And so he rested. His name, one of his names, is Yahweh Raha. Raya, excuse me. It means the Lord is my shepherd. We're going to read in Psalms 23 that God provided us rest. He just didn't rest for himself, but he provided us rest. And so let's read Psalms 23, 1 through 6 in the New King James. Most of my scripture will be there. Some of it will be in the message because I like what the way the message reads. Starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he gives us rest. Now just me reading that scripture brings a calm to me. I'm a little nervous up here. And I need some of God's rest. I need some of the presence of the Holy Spirit to calm me and my spirit. The phrase, he makes me to lie down, in one of the Strong's definitions, it it says to make to rest. So if you look at it this way, he makes us to rest in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. That in itself is a comforting statement. And it should relax us. And it should lead us more to him than the things around us. In Hebrews 4.1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest... Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. This is going to be a scripture we'll, just, we'll dig into a little bit deeper later. But the word rest here in the Greek means calming of wind, a resting place. It's used as a metaphor, the heavenly blessedness of which God dwells and of which he has promised to make preserving believers in Christ partakers after the toils and trials of life on earth have ended. Are we in toils and troubles on earth? Yes, we are. And they haven't ended yet. But I think this this speaks to how God looks at giving us the rest we need. I want to set this whole thing up with a little history. 
a little history lesson, if you will, of the Bible. We'll see how much you all know about history in the Bible. In Genesis 12, God told Abram to get out of the land he lived in. Now, Abram was about 70 years old when God told him that. And in Genesis 12, 6 and 7, God promised Abraham, Abram and his descendants. It says, Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebeth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were in the land. Then God appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the first time God promised. And when we start looking at Hebrews 4, this is what was leading up to Hebrews 4, the promise to entering his rest. And so Abram established himself in that land where the Canaanites were. And he lived there for quite a while. In fact, close to 30 years or more. So then, if we read down in the history, Abram was 99 years old, so you see the period of time. What is that, 29 years? I guess my math is correct. Seven and, nine, seven and two is nine. And he made a covenant with Abram. Anybody know what that covenant was? Nobody? Well, the word Abram means exalted father. And when he made that covenant, he changed his name to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. So what was the covenant? Let me read it. Genesis 17, verse 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. This is a turning point in Abraham's life. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm not going to go into graphic details. I'm 70 years old. I don't know that I would want to be circumcised at 70 years old. And he was 99. And his son was 13. That's a commitment. So he committed to the covenant, and God committed the covenant to him. Amen? And part of the promise that was given to Abram is that he would have a son. And for all these years, his wife was barren. They waited 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled. Now think about 25 years for God to fulfill a promise that he made to us. 
And maybe some of you have experienced that. Maybe we've all waited a long period of time. Most of us have a hard time waiting 25 minutes for God to answer us. I would say that it builds a little bit of character in you if you have to wait, because I think that's God's intent. But in the middle of that, I believe God provides rest for us. Because we get anxious. In Genesis 26, 3, and you don't have to put this one up, the Lord appeared to Abraham's son Isaac and, and, and repeated the same promise that he was going to give him the land and his descendants and make them a great as the seas or the sands of the desert. And in Genesis 20, uh, 28, 13, the Lord appeared to Isaac's son Jacob and gave him the same promise. And Jacob had a son, Joseph. Now, do we all remember the story of Joseph? Remember, he had a dream. He told his family the dream that his brothers would bow down to him and his brothers were angry and they, they planned to kill him. So he was sent out to check on him. And they attacked him, beat him, threw him in a pit, put lambs or sheep's blood on his cloak and took, uh, took it back to their father and says he's dead. He was attacked. And he was sold into Egypt. Now, this is the, this is the progression of the promise that continues on for hundreds of years. Now, this is a promise that has not been fulfilled yet. And so Joseph goes to Egypt. He gets favor. There's a big famine in the land. His brothers are sent to go get wheat to bring back to help him with the famine. And it ends up that his whole family is back in Egypt. And then the, the Egyptians lived in Egypt for 430 years. And the promise still hasn't been fulfilled. And as the history shows, after the Pharaoh that had favor with Joseph died, a new Pharaoh raises up and looks at all of the Israelites that were there and says, hey, these people are bigger than we are. They're greater. Maybe we should do something about it. And they subdued them and they treated them poorly. And they prayed to God in Exodus 2, 23 through 25. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. They cried out. Their cry came to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groans. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked up 
upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. God remembered his covenant. We have to always get within us that God remembers. 430 years. The promise was still not fulfilled. And we know the story of Moses, who was born an Israelite child, put in a grass boat, floated down the river because they were killing all of the children. And Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him. You talk about God's covenant and provision for his people through this period of time. And of course, Moses grows and gets favor with Pharaoh and actually was second in command for a long time until he's seen the abuse of his fellow Israelites. And so Moses kills one of them and they find out about it and he's exiled. Now we don't necessarily murder anybody but do we ever feel exiled I know I have but God always comes through because God remembers the promise he gave to us he not only promised them to enter the rest but he promised us to enter the rest and so time goes on Moses goes back to Egypt, performs how many? Nine miracles, ten miracles, and Israel leaves Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. Now imagine walking through the Red Sea on dry ground. And after you do that, get on the other side of the sea and grumble to God and want to go back to Egypt. Do we ever grumble to God because things aren't going our way, maybe? God had great patience with his people. And they wandered in the, in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years. And then we come to the point where, and and. Pastor Glenn has talked about this. Moses sends the 12 spies into Canaan because they're right on the verge of being being able to enter the promise of their rest, their resting place and their rest. And we know the story that the 12 went in and came back and had this wonderful report of a land of milk and honey. But yet... Some of them said, oh no, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can go in except for two, Caleb and Joshua. They said, no, we can go in. Let's go. And then we come to Hebrews 4, 1 and 3. One through three. Therefore, 
since a promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with the faith of those who heard it. So the multitude did not mix their faith and trust in the two or the three that Moses said in the promise of God. God promised to give him to them. In fact, I believe God promised to go ahead of them, which he does for us in our battle, in our warfare. God goes before us. And we can rest in that. Verse 3 says, For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, I swore in my oath that they shall not enter the rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. Jesus. Jesus came and did the works. God's works have been complete, even though the world had fallen. The word kabol means to fall down, to look down, and most often used to lay down a foundation, but it can imply the fall of humanity through sin. Even though the world has fallen, God's works have already accomplished, unhindered the fall of man. So God's works are done. Jesus is, is here. So what was the promise? Anybody? To enter his rest. That word promise, apanglia, means both a promise and a thing promised. An announcement with special sense of promise pledge and other. Epanglia tells what the promise of God is and gives the assurance that the thing promised will be done. So he promised it and it was going to be done. So what does that mean for us? You know, the world and our country are in a bad place. Probably getting worse. We are in the middle of spiritual warfare for our country, our family, our businesses, our finances. And we are, we are battling for it. However, you know, the one that stresses me out the most, being pastors here, is trying to figure out what gift I'm going to get him for Christmas. I mean, I'm losing sleep over that. So I've had to ask God to give me this rest, and I still haven't figured out what to give him. I know. I could give him a pen. I've given him pens before, but he just gives them away. So praise God. They're going to, to good use. But I really believe... That, that we can enter God's 
rest in the middle of this stuff, in the middle of our warfare that we're battling, I believe we should be in rest doing it. Pastor talked about entering the river. Are we going to stand ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep? Are we going to get in the middle of that river, which is God's resting place, and let him take us where he wants us to take us? We have to understand. God has just put it deep in my heart to understand, no matter what I'm going through in my life or you, we can rest in God. We can have physical rest, spiritual rest, and eternal rest. Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. Let me ask, let me, let me stop a second. So how can we get this rest? Where does that rest come from? Where does it come from? Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joint and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from it, from its sight, but all things are naked and open to the eye of him to whom we must give account. The word of God. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit is where we can get our rest. That same verse in the message version, you could do that, Jeremy. I love the way it says it. So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest. Not drop out through some sort of disobedience. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, Lying is open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. Amen. We have to trust. And I know, and I can attest, that in the middle of our stuff, in the middle of the battle, in the middle of fighting the enemy for whatever we're fighting or in the middle of all of the stuff that comes our way and stuff is going to come our way. The word of God and the presence of the Spirit can give us rest in it. I believe that through the scriptures we can have physical and spiritual and obviously eternal rest. And I've identified those as three of the rests I want to talk about. Now, I know there's a lot more rests out there. In the King James Version of the Bible, rest is, is 
in there over 300 times. So I think it's throughout the whole scripture. The Webster's definition of rest. A bodily state characterized by minimal function of metabolic activity. Yeah, any doctors in here? You almost have to be a doctor to interpret that one. The second one is, and is there any teenagers in here? No, I guess not. A state of motionless and inactivity. We have any kids that are in a state of motionless and inactivity? At times, yes, huh? (laughs) Until noon or one o'clock. The third one is peace of mind and spirit. So even in the Webster, it gives a little bit of a spiritual look at rest. Let's look at some um, scriptures for physical rest. Psalms 4, 6 through 8. There are many who say, Who will show us any good? God, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than the seasons and the grain and the wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. That's physical. It can be spiritual. It can be all of them. Let's look at that, if you can put it up, Jeremy, if not, in the message version. It's interesting. Why is everyone hungry for more? More, more, they say. More, more. I have God's more than enough. More joy in one ordinary day than they get in all their shopping sprees. Christmas time. At the end, I'm ready for sound sleep. For God have put my life back together. Anybody in a shopping spree this time of year? Anybody wear their mouse out online trying to get everything ordered? <laughs> I know I have. One other one in Proverbs three twenty four. It says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. How much of us enjoy sweet sleep? Let's look at some scriptures for spiritual. 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 4 says, I urge you. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I'll slow down. I'll take a breath. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceable and quiet lives, making marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleasing pleases our God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. To live peace.
peaceful and quiet lives. Anyone here struggle with getting peaceful and quiet? I know I do at times because we're so busy doing all this stuff. I told my wife that I was going to go get a job so I could go, to, go get some rest because being retired, I'm, it's busier, busier than I was when I was working eight hours a day. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 in the message for spiritual rest. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitted on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Praise God. In his presence... Eternal, John 14, 1 through 4, in the message. Don't let this rattle you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my Father's home. I have warned you. If that, were, if that weren't so, sorry, would I have told you that I'm going away to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. And then the most famous of all, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's eternal life. Through Jesus. All we need is Jesus. All we need is to bask in His presence. Romans 12, 1 through 4 says, I beseech you, sorry, Jeremy. I get ahead of him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect to God. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Let your mind be transformed. Let your mind and your thoughts turn 180 degrees from the world and turn to the word of God. In the midst of all the battles we face, we need to turn to God. In Job 11, 13 through 20 in the message version, Jeremy. 13 through 20. Still, if you set your heart on God and reach out to him, if you scrub your hands of sin and refuse to entertain evil in your home, you'll be able to face the world unashamed and keep a firm grip on life, guiltless and fearless. You'll forget your troubles. They'll be like old faded photographs. Your world will be washed in sunshine. Every shadow disappeared by dawn, full of hope. You relax, confident again. You'll look around, sit back, and take it easy. Expansive, without a care in the world. You'll be hunted out by many for your blessings. But the wicked will see none of this. They're headed down a dead-end road and, and with nothing to look forward to. Nothing. Relax, set back. Let the presence of God fall upon you in such a way that when we do what we need to do in Christ, when we get into the middle of that river where God is carrying us to places that we may not have been before, we can rest in knowing. We can relax there. You know, I used to say, and, and Pastor Glenn talked about this, that when I was supervising people that I was always underwater, right? And I lived underwater because you just never get caught up and you're always... And I told one of my coworkers one time, I said, all right, you grow gills there, you can survive. <laughs> Here you don't need gills. In the river of God and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual part of our life you can be under that water and you don't have to worry about breathing because you can relax one more well two more Romans 5 1 through 5 in the message By entering through faith into God, to what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. 
we throw open the door to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open the door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Hallelujah. Does that sound like God's resting place? Let's close our eyes. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by God, by the blood of Jesus, by new and living ways which he consecrated for us through the veil that is flesh, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true hearts and full assurance of faith, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your body washed with pure water. Father, we enter your holy place this morning. And no matter what we're going through and what we're doing, Heavenly Father, let us rest in you. knowing that you're going before us in battle. And even though it might be a long period of time before you answer, you'll always remember. You'll always remember the promise you gave. And you will come back and revisit. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you rest on each person here this morning. Let your spirit cleanse and heal, especially in this time of the season when we're going to celebrate our Savior's birth. That we find a way to put aside all of it and concentrate on you. Even though we're going to be busy, even though we're going to have things to do, even though the battle is still there that we have to fight, we need to set back and relax in you, Heavenly Father. Give us that way. Re, re, rejuvenate us. Refresh us. Give us rest. And we praise you. We thank you. We give you glory and honor this morning. And in a, just a short period of time, we're going to worship. And I pray that everyone that's here and that'll watch that will close their eyes and enter into your holy place. The place you've given us access to that we can freely go. We can sit next to you, Jesus. We can fight our battles there, right next to you. And we praise you 
We thank you. We give you glory and honor today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.